in the high desert in the great American Southwest. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. John, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us. You're with us. You're with us. You're with us. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. For any new listeners, this is a podcast where two brothers analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show, Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, this is Chris. I'm the Ringo star to your rest of the Beatles, except I can actually play the drums. Ooh. Ooh. Wow, we're starting off with the Ringo star bird. <laughs> I told you, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I tick off every single individual uh, person on the planet that's i'm excited and yeah. so today i'm going after ringo star paul can i tell you one of my favorite quotations about please. ringo please do i believe paul mccartney said this but ringo star is the fourth best drummer in the beatles <laughs> that is, is, there's no way paul mccartney said that that's just mean if paul mccartney said that so anyways a little little ringo star hate to, to start the pod Great. We're starting spicy. Well, Chris, today we have an episode for you. What are we talking for about our listeners? Today? today we're going to be hearing from a man named Dr. Jerome Corsi, who was interviewed okay. by George Nori on July 28th, 2022, about his new book that denies climate change. Oh, good. I've so, been hoping that it's fake. You that's it's so much nicer if it's not real, right? <laughs> I've really been hoping recently. That this whole thing is just fake. That it's just made up. So it's nice to hear somebody saying that this is the case. Yes, and that's exactly what Jerome is going to be saying today. He claims that global warming is a conspiracy created by Marxist Democrats hell-bent, hell-bent on population reduction and enslaving humanity. Uh, this sounds great to me. This, yeah. is, this is lining up a lot of dots on the cork board for me. Uh, well, well, we'll see how it goes. So in terms of Dr. Corsi... He is a doctor of political science, so he doesn't really have any expertise in this area. Right. Uh, and for the purposes of today, I do consider him a very bad actor, but I'm going to pretend his arguments are being made in good faith. Okay, got and it. And then we're going to talk through each one, one by one. I actually have a degree in environmental science, as you know, Chris, so I have more expertise in this area than this man. So excited to start digging a little bit here. Hey, I always give a couple of points to, you know, being able to research and study. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. This guy wrote a book, Paul, and you have not written a book. You are right. He's written a lot of books, actually. We're going to talk about that today. Okay. Some of the books he's written because they're books that exist. Um, before we do that, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Timmy! So today we're going back to the paranormal. Another paranormal video for you, Chris. Uh, yeah, well, dude, it's been a little bit, so I'm ready to go. We got to bring it back. I love my ghost stories. Yeah. So today's article, ghost spills pint of beer at haunted British pub, question mark. Uh, dude, you wasting good beer, ghost? Honestly, this is the worst kind of poltergeist activity. The bar party Pouring out foul. your beer. Party yeah, it's foul. like not cool bro i figure both heaven and hell can agree with beer that is a fair point well chris to the article okay the proprietor of a purportedly haunted pub which okay first off he's used that multiple times he yeah, needs new phrases purportedly has been used quite a bit yeah so number one disappointed with him already uh but the proprietor believes that a mischievous ghost is behind a recent incident wherein a patron's pint of beer inexplic inexplicably fell off of a table <laughs> oh timmy banal we're he, catching I, on to your words we're uh we're seeing yeah you know, I used to think he uses a thesaurus. I don't think so anymore. No, I think he only has got, like 10 words. He has his special words and his special key phrases. Yep. I mean, it may be a copy paste at this point. It, it very well could be because they're all very similar stories. It's just Mad Libs. Yeah. It's just like, what's the noun? Pub. What's the action? 
spilled beer <laughs> location britain yeah uh, so this <laughs> this strange event reportedly occurred last month at the ringo bells tavern in the english oh, town oh. of kindle and yes. was captured on video by the site's security system in the footage a pint of beer can be seen sitting on a table before slowly moving towards the edge until it topples onto an empty chair surprising some patrons standing nearby at the bar Ooh, i can't wait to see this oh it's a it's a video for sure according to the pub's manager scott dawson Quote, the glass was sat on the table for a good while before it moved. There's nothing to trigger the movement. It's as if there was a presence there. Oh, a presence. Yes, indeed. He oh, went on- my gosh, dude. I really am excited to see this video now. They talked it up. He went on to explain that this particular area of the pub has had many pints mysteriously tip over on more than one occasion. That they have even totaler ghost. I guess so. They've even switched the table in an attempt to fix the problem, but the spilled drinks have persisted. Whoa. Yeah. While skeptical observers hate them, will undoubtedly suggest that the glass simply slid along the table due to condensation. Dawson suspects that there is a supernatural reason for the event, noting yes. that nearly uh, the nearly three century old establishment has had something of a reputation for being haunted. The manager suggested that the spill could have been caused by one of the residents' spirits. Here's the thing. Most places in Europe, I just assume, are haunted. Yeah. There's just a lot of people that have been there for a very long time. That was one of the funny theories I heard on Coast to Coast is that every house is haunted because no matter where you are, someone has probably died near there. Right. So therefore, everything's haunted. But yeah, I think in the, you know everywhere but America, pretty much, you yeah. know, there are buildings that have been around a lot longer. So in the UK, it's like, yeah, this is a 300-year-old pub. We don't really have pubs that old in the US. They're like, hey, crikey, this house was built in the 1400s. Blimey. It's exactly what they say. Exactly. Well, Chris, a popular destination for paranormal investigators, the pub sports a strange square feature in its cellar that some visiting psychic mediums have surmised was once a well. Among the spirits that have been sensed in the establishment, Dawson said, is that of a teenager named Edward who perished when he was pushed into the pit long ago. Oh, my. So I feel like we're reaching here. That there yeah. seems to be some sort of a square that someone says is a well, and then now there's a, a there's kid a that was thrown in there. a story that goes with it now, dude. That's how ghost stories work, though. For something that maybe was a well. Yeah. But also uh, could not have been. It could just be a block in the ground. Just, they use slightly different stone for one section. <laughs> yeah. It is the Bob Andrews belief that the source of the spilled drink just might be the ghost of the young lad, as it would make sense that a 17-year-old boy might find it quite funny to wind people up and have a bit of fun. Just having a little fun, spilling some beer. Yeah. What do you think of the weird video? Was Edward pulling a fast one on the patrons at the bar, or was the spill merely a natural occurrence? Weigh in with your thoughts on the Coast to Coast Facebook page. Now, I like this because Timmy started that call to action. Yeah. That's a call to action. That's a call. That's a big call to action. Very smart. You got to connect your different websites. Mm Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. key. Yeah. Having having started this podcast and realizing how much connecting websites, how crucial that actually is. Yeah, we don't do it, but it is crucial for sure. Yeah, it would make us more successful if we did it. Yes. <laughs> so shout out to Our, Tim. Yeah, shout out to Tim for actually doing it. We, yeah, man, we need some better call to actions. Yeah, I almost, went, I almost went to the Facebook page just now just to be like, about to watch the video live blogging this for coast to coast am on coast to coast pm <laughs> live tweet your thoughts uh, on the 30 second video right exactly uh, speaking of call to actions if you like the show uh give us five stars on apple or spotify smash that subscribe button and share it with a friend now chris got through the housekeeping real fast let's watch the video so let's set the stage what are you seeing here what, what does this look like Looks like a pub. Looks like a pub. There's a big old couch section, couple tables in it. I do see what looks like to be our beer that's going to fall off the table. Yes, that is the beer in question. So let's see what happens. Now, this beer is sitting pretty close to the edge. I think it's like right on the edge. They got a circle around it, ready to go. And it's slowly drifting and it falls and crashes onto a chair. So here's the thing. I it did look like the door closed mm-hmm. about three or maybe two seconds before 
the bottle and I bet the vibration and the condensation and how close it was to the edge of the table all led to that being knocked off. That was my exact thought. There is someone who exits the pub and it's yeah. like five feet from this table. Yeah. There's a glass on the, the edge, like not like barely not tipping over. And then, yeah, it probably just slid right off. Yeah. Or so. Chris, follow me here. It could have been the secret well that definitely exists and the 17-year-old boy that maybe was thrown down it who pushed that off. Listen, that one's more fun. That one it's is a, a lot fun, more fun story. So if you want to keep on telling that one pub, just keep telling it because it's a it's a fun story. Let's maybe get a little like let's get a tragic tale about this 17-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Let's, I think that would be know, fair. Lost love or something. The other or, thing I would like them to do is to get a leveler and see if the uh, the floor is level because they've switched the table out. Right. But if the floor isn't level, that could be a problem. It's a 300-year-old pub. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Come on. This isn't a new build. Yeah, yeah. And if it's in a small town, it's like these were probably just bros who were like, yeah, we can throw up a building real quick. Yeah. Most definitely. Town doesn't, uh, we got to get drunk. Town doesn't have a pub. Let's build a pub real quick. Let's get this rolling. Well, Chris, that was our foyer into the Coast to Coast AM blog. It is time to get to the main well, thrust of our episode. As always, it'll be in the show notes if you want to watch the video. It will definitely be in the show notes. So, Chris, let's start off with George's introduction of Dr. Jerome Corsi. Oh, we got and a then- George Nori. We got a George Nori app. Okay. Which is great. So once again, this is from July 28th, 2022. George Nori interviewing Jerome Corsi. This is George's intro. And then I'll give you my intro because the information from this guy's biography that I would pick are a little different from George's. Okay. He has worked as a senior staff reporter for WND.com. And for more than 25 years, Dr. Corsi worked in banking and finance establishing investment programs for banks in the United States. He has worked at universities, has conducted research on federally funded grants, in 1981 published Terrorism as a Desperate Game. Lots going on, and he has been a staple of Coast to Coast for many, many years. All right, so that's the introduction of Jerome. Sounds okay. Well, yeah. what, what are your thoughts, Chris? What are your thoughts after uh, Definitely an interesting guy. Seems to be able to kind of dip his toes in a, different, uh, a lot of different subjects. Yeah, but, you know, overall sounds pretty reasonable. You know, he's a doctor, you know, he's written some books, uh, specifically calls out a book that he wrote in the 80s, which I thought was interesting that that's the one that he picked. That's the one that he chose. That's interesting. But all right, what's the uh, Coast to Coast PM Paul rendition of that introduction? So the way that I would have introduced him is that Jerome Corsi is a 76-year-old author, conspiracy theorist, and far-right political operative who recently wrote a book about how climate change is a hoax as a part of his, quote, Great Awakening book trilogy that he's working on. Okay. So what other pieces of the Great Awakening? So he's also going to continue talking about, like, Marxism and leftism trying to destroy America. If you're unfamiliar with the Great Awakening, it is an idea promoted by QAnon believers that all of America will soon wake up to the fact that we are being ran by a cabal of satanic Democrats. Uh, He has been known to promote QAnon in the past, so I really doubt that this is a coincidence. Right. You know, and this is always what frustrates me with Q, is that directionally they're right. They just take it a step too far. I wouldn't, I would say that directionally they are not right at all. I think that it is completely unhinged. they are spot on. I, I think that speaking from an area of not ever looking into QAnon, (laughs) like if you're like thinking that it's like oh it's a metaphor for corruption like yes there's corruption they think that democrats are literally satanic like and eat children that is not right but i believe the elite are satanic and do eat children i just don't think it's just democrats okay anyways so books that George did not mention as well that were written by this guy. Uh, He wrote in 2004 the book Unfit for Command, Swift Boat Veterans Speak Out Against John Kerry. That's Uh, a a fun throwback. That's a great book. He wrote in 2005 the book Atomic Iran, How How the Terrorist Regime Bought the Bomb in American Politicians, which says that Democrats sold Iran nukes. Still waiting on that atomic bomb to come out of Iran, dude. Been waiting on that one for about 15 years now well they already have it according to him the democrats oh, okay. sold it in 2005 okay. so. i feel like about every six months i always see a ran 
three months away from having an atomic bomb. <laughs> they're not even, yeah, they're nowhere close. They're just copying and pasting it at this point. Yeah. In 2018, he wrote the book Killing the Deep State, The Fight to Save President Trump. In 2022, he wrote the book Coup d'etat, Exposing the Deep State Treason and the Plan to Re-elect President Trump. There we go. I like that one, dude. And This in, guy's pretty prolific. He's, well, he's written like 30 books. He just pumps he's them out. It's just, he just shits them. them out. Just shits them out. Now, my personal favorite, Chris, 2011, he wrote the book where's the birth certificate the case that barack obama is not eligible to be president kenyan dude he's a kenyan so that is just a little bit of this guy's background so this guy's on top of all the good stuff yeah and in 2017 jerome corsi also became the washington dc bureau chief for Infowars with alex jones <laughs> oh. now so if you're unfamiliar with Alex Jones and InfoWars, it is a far-right conspiracy and news website that was recently sued by the parents of the children murdered at Sandy Hook for defamation, and he now owes them $50 million in damages. That's just one of the defamation cases against him. That is the overall quality of that particular site, is that they call everything a false flag. That's the kind of situation that this guy was a part of. And they've been kicked off of most major websites, right? Yeah, the, the Sandy Hook... Uh, hoax claims were the thing that got them kicked off of the majority of yeah. websites. So they're no longer on YouTube. They're no longer on Twitter or anything like that. That was kind of the red line. First, you came for the Jews and you said nothing because you weren't Jewish. Funny, that was actually a line used by his lawyer during the trial. Yes! Had <laughs> so, to be, dude. It absolutely had to be. Now, an additional point on this guy's biography, during his time at InfoWars, this was probably when he met Roger Stone. Jerome was later nice. wrapped up in the Mueller investigation for his ties to Stone. Oh, the FBI yeah. claimed that he was a go-between for Roger Stone and Julian Assange of WikiLeaks. Wow, dude, that's awesome. That's kind of so, a cool, I, I would like to be somebody's middleman to Julian Assange. That would be interesting. Now, Jerome did deny those claims. Oh, he really? He, he didn't do it. He says he didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, but the FBI said that me. Stone was just covering for him. Right. Yeah. Interesting. But to be fair to him, I don't really trust the FBI either. I think that's a different situation here. <laughs> I don't really trust the FBI. But go ahead. All right. So that's just a little bit about him. But basically what he's saying, Chris, is that this book is the game changer. And yeah, no one's going to be able to ignore it. Yeah, it's going to change the whole world's view on climate change. So I think, George, this is a book, if the left tries to ignore this book, which they probably will, uh, the left will lose the climate debate with the public because the, the science and the politics that are being advanced on this Green New Deal agenda uh, are not legitimate science. So you can't ignore it, Chris. We, we got to pay attention to this, right? can't be ignored. Well, so, that's, that's very pretentious. Yeah. Everyone yeah. will have to talk about this book. Mm -hmm. That's how good it is. Yeah. You have and to do it. Start in that way right off the bat. Yeah. And one of the first things that he brings up, is, I, I immediately have problems with him because right. he, he basically brings up how Trump uh, got the U.S. To, to be the leader in oil. Right. Right. We're already getting facts wrong off the go. And I got into a huge fight with the peak oil group that said we were going to run out of oil. Of course, they folded their tent and they're gone. Uh, they, especially after President Trump managed to get the United States back into a leading position in production of oil, coal, natural gas, and a exporter. So this guy's a huge Trump guy, and he keeps bringing up the fact that Trump is the reason why we we are now a leader in in oil and natural gas. Right. Which is incorrect. I was going to say that's dropped off since President Brandon got into power, right? Well, so in terms of like, did Trump make us the leader in oil and natural gas? That is is not a true fact, right? So the U.S. was already first place in oil production in 2015 during the Obama administration. Were we really? Yeah. And that's according to the Energy and Information Administration's definitions of petroleum, right? So that was before Trump took office. I, dude, King Oil, Barry Obama. Yeah. And oil production had its largest gain under President Obama of any president. It doubled during his tenure. What was he doing? Well, that, that's the whole thing, right, is that he didn't really do anything. When it comes and, to why oil right. production increased so much, it was mainly because of George Mitchell, who is uh, considered the father of fracking. Once okay. we figured out hydraulic fracturing, the enormous growth rates of oil and natural gas over the past 15 years were simply because we but figured you're out how to including, do it. But you're including natural and gas in this, and I would be curious to see 
plain oil numbers. So that is uh, included in oil production according to the EIA's numbers. Right. And that's also what this guy calls out. He says uh, oil and natural gas. Okay. So if we're talking oil, and unless you specifically denote crude oil, which is different than natural gas, NGLs also counts in, in the right. oil production. All right. You're a hole poker. Keep going. That's not poking holes. That's just a fact. You're, you're a, <laughs> that's also what this guy is saying. Hole poking. This guy said oil and natural gas. We were I'm already winning that. by this one. So keep going. All right, cool. So he goes on to say that this is all cyclical in nature, right? And I, I've always believed that there's no question the planet's going through some metamorphosis here. Things are changing, but it's cyclical. These things happen on the planet. The sun heats up. All kinds of things happen like that. You know, and I think a lot of these climate change folks are confusing pollution with fossil fuels and things like that, don't you? Well, I, I think, George, you're exactly right. I mean, first of all, the idea that this is a stable planet, that it doesn't have change in climate, is uh, ridiculous. The Earth is 4.6 billion years old. We've gone through cyclical ice ages, uh, likely forever, and they're related more to the path of the Earth around the sun, which I discussed, these Milankovitch cycles. The Earth's orbit is elliptical, and when it gets to be at its most egg-shaped form, uh, it's farthest from the sun, and we get an ice age. It has nothing to do with high, you know, carbon dioxide or burning hydrocarbon fuels, but that it's caused by carbon dioxide is uh, almost ridiculous proposition. So, so what's your problem with that? So my issue with that is that he's saying the increase in climate is due to the orbital patterns of the Earth. Right. Which is incorrect. It is not. Orbital patterns of the Earth do contribute to changes in the climate. Yes, they do not happen as rapidly as we are seeing. Right. Okay. So in the past 50 Got years, it. It, it's increased by, you know, uh, one degree Celsius, right? That we don't see that occurring naturally in any of the s historic time records. Now, my other problem here is that right here, he's saying it's oral patterns. Later, he's going to say it's the sun's rays that are actually causing the increase. So he is contradicting himself in terms of what the actual cause of the warming of the planet is. He admits that it's getting hotter. He changes his reasons for why it's getting hotter. But you do admit that because of where the earth is located in space changes do happen to the earth yeah everyone everyone admits that no one okay. says that it's not everyone knows it is cyclical he's trying to use that to explain the warming of the planet we're seeing currently which is not accurate do you think it's contributing though no i do not you don't think it's contributing at all no and nasa would agree with me with that you think so it's purely humans doing it. yes it is humans who are doing this percent humans doing it by putting fossil fuel emissions into the air yeah i mean in terms of the solar ray argument which we'll get into there is a 0.1 degree celsius potential that the sun has like 0.1 degree celsius chance of doing what it's doing to to the overall planet's temperature so a tiny minute fraction of what we're seeing could be from some is sort coming of from the sun yeah, but the okay, vast majority perfect. is not. Perfect. Wonderful. Okay. So George goes on and says, you know, why can't we all just get along, right? Why can't we just say it's changing? How do we deal with that? Yeah, right. Why are the two camps, those for, those against man-made climate change, so opposed? Why can't they get together and both agree the planet's changing? How do we take care of it and get away from the craziness about, you know, human beings are causing everything? underlying agenda here politically, George, is to eliminate uh, capitalism and to say we are burning hydrocarbon fuels, which is the engine of capitalism. This is producing carbon dioxide, which is going to you know, make the earth unlivably hot. And so therefore, we need to go to a, a more primitive standard of living. Paul Ehrlich, who wrote the population bomb, said there's too many people. We're going to use all the resources of the earth. This is just the next form of that argument, and it is a ideological argument. It's almost like a secular religion. So what he continues to go into is essentially this is the reason why this is happening is leftists who are anti-capitalists attempting to depopulate mm. and deindustrialize. Right. Which is ridiculous. Like this has nothing to do with capitalism at all. And saying that is a really disingenuous argument. You don't believe that the elite power structure is running under the old adage of never waste a good crisis. You're going to need to further explain how that relates to climate change in America, considering the fact that we haven't done a goddamn thing to help resolve it. Well, I mean, they just passed something in the Senate. 
Yeah, we're going to get into that. It's a pretty piss poor attempt yeah, at combating right. climate it's change. Absolute trash. But it's the first thing we've ever done. So, no, because I mean, what, gotta... what we're talking about here, Chris, isn't the elite power structure, right? We're not talking about policy. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about climate change. What is it? Is it happening? What's the science behind it, right? The the elite power structure or anything around corporations and how that ties in, that's a separate argument, in my opinion, because what he's going after is the science. He says the science behind climate change is fraudulent and the scientists right. are lying. Right. Right. So that is complete bullshit. And it has like the science does not rely on uh, like anti-capitalist notions at all. Right. You can derive anti-capitalist notions from the fact that we have industrialized. We're pumping carbon into the air. It's really bad. We're over consuming. That's bad for the environment. That's a separate thing. Right. What he's saying is that humans are not causing climate change at all. Right. But I do think it is important what the effects on our populace are even if this isn't like regardless if it's true or not which i do believe it is true i do believe humans have a have a role to play in what's happening and we certainly have a role in the destruction of the environment but that is it's also important how we respond to that and i don't i think they do have a point that a lot of the responses are about control. What what give give me an example? I think the I think the electric car is a great example of this. And I think if you look at all the capabilities of these new electric cars, they are all connected to the larger internet, to the algorithm and you're you can be shut off if they if you don't do what they want you to do. I get, think what you, you'll be shut off if you don't do what they want you to do. Yeah. What give when does that ever happens that they've shut it's, someone's car off if they don't do what you want them to do? There was a guy who was trying to put modifications on his Tesla and Tesla shut him so down. So what you're specifically referring to is issues with Tesla. I would agree with you that Tesla itself as a corporation has massive issues. Tesla's not a car company. Tesla is a data company. That is a separate issue than electric cars in general. I don't know. If your problem that, is man. cars being plugged into the the cloud, that is any car regardless of it being electric or not. I mean my car isn't connected to the cloud. Your car also isn't like a 2022, but a lot of the new cars are connected to the cloud. A lot of the cars. And I cars think that's a internet. bad thing. I I agree. I think that there are data and privacy issues at hand. I don't think there's anything to do with climate change. That's happening all across the board. But that's the thing is that it's going these these are the nefarious things that they're going to do in response, right? You have to have an electric car to help climate change. Okay. But guess what? We're going to put a whole bunch of bad stuff in these electric cars. We don't need the car to be electric to have the bad stuff then. True. But the, that, the electric that, nature of the car has nothing to do with the programming of the car. I mean, I think it's a lot like cell phones, right? When we first had our cell phones, it was like, oh, man, it can make calls and I can send one text message a day. And now we do everything on our cell phones and they gave us more capabilities and we can all say, that's great, but guess what? My phone knows everything about me. It is probably recording me right now. Dude, I, I agree with you that we have massive data issues and that corporations have captured the government, and that's why none of this is being solved. The, Europe, the European Union has done a way better job at protecting data privacy through GDPR and a lot of other shit, right? Even the UK, they made their new GDPR. All we have is the California Data Protection Act, and that's like relatively weak and only really applies to Californians or companies in California. That is different than whether or not climate change is real. That shit's going to happen whether or not climate change is happening. These are separate issues. But I just think we need to be prepared to push back on the bad stuff that they're going to try to sink into all this stuff. I'm sorry. I don't want to eat bug sandwiches. No one is asking you to. That This is like a straw man argument conflating a bunch of different bullshit. I don't know, dude. I have seen those articles that are like, you're going to, you're going to eat bugs and you're going to love it. Yeah, no, he brings up the bug shit, too. No one is saying that everyone's going to eat bugs. World Economic Forum, you're going to own nothing and be happy. Okay, cool. Anyways, uh, yeah, let's let's start getting it. Is George Soros behind all this as well? Is George Soros the reason why we have climate change? It's not just George Soros, but he's not helping. 
No, it's not grounded in reality, right? And that's <laughs> the whole thing is that if we want to try to make an argument attacking climate change, you have to conflate it with all this other bullshit to distract from the conversation. What the conversation today is, is is climate change happening and is it man-made? So he goes into the Green New Deal from here, right? But what he's actually talking about isn't the Green New Deal, it's the, the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay. The Green New Deal movement. Tell, tell us what that is and who's behind it. The Green New Deal movement, in fact, this legislation that was just passed by Congress this week, which is aiming to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by some 40 percent by 2030 or 2050, uh, these kinds of standards are are anti-industrial. They're anti-human activity. They're anti-people. And, you know, when you look at the Malthusians going back to Paul Ehrlich and the others, John Holdren, another who was uh, signs are for Obama, they are premised on the fact that we have too many people in the world. Now, these are anti-people agendas, and they've gotten hijacked by this neo-Marxism, which says now with critical race theory, it's not enough to destroy capitalism. We've got to end racism. We've got to end gender identity. We've got to quit talking about what is a woman? This is another example of this guy. He is just a culture warrior through and through, right? Just- and you know it because he's talking about neo-Marxism. And whenever I hear a conservative talk about Marxism, what they mean is authoritarianism and totalitarian. Like almost every single time. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the USSR. They're not talking about Karl Marx, the philosopher. Yeah, and they don't know what neo-Marxism is either. It's just a word that they use. That's a fun word. It, uh, this is neo-Marxism. And everyone's like, oh, wow. Yeah, neo-Marxism. But what they mean is totalitarianism and authoritarianism. And it's kind of the same thing what leftists mean when they when they say fascists. Or I haven't really heard neo-fascist. But when people say fascism, they're talking about authoritarianism and totalitarianism. And I kind of wish that we could like just call it those things, but we have to call it Marxism or cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism or on the left, you know, the Democrats use fascism or neo-fascism or far right nut jobs or whatever. Yeah. So let's, let's actually talk about what he's discussing, right? Which is the inflation reduction act that was recently passed. So it's not the green new deal. This is not what green new dealers promoted. It is something very different. (laughs) Inflation is the problem. You got to have inflation somewhere in the title of this bill. Yeah. You got to mix that in. Right. So his claim (laughs) is that it's, it's anti-industrial anti-human and it's also neo-Marxist. What's everybody talking about inflation? It's hot right now. It's hot. It's the thing. So what's actually in this bill, according to the New York times is that it spends over $375 billion over 10 years, which is $37 billion per year to invest in climate change. So what are some of these investments? Yeah. So what they're doing is they're they're taxing large corporations to pay for this. And these are corporations who are currently not paying any taxes. Right. Exactly. Do a 0% tax. Exactly. So what this is doing is uh, including clean energy tax credits and imposing a fee on excess methane emissions from oil and gas drilling. So what they're saying is that, okay, if you're building these renewable energies, we're going to reduce your overall tax load, right. which is inherently a capitalist economic structure. They are yeah, not capturing any corporations. They're not giving any corporations money. They're saying you will pay some less money to the government if you are building this shit. Right. That's what it is. Right. Now, while doing this, they're also giving fossil fuel companies access to more leases on federal land and waters. So right. they're increasing their ability to actually pull oil out of the earth. Right. while also helping companies who are trying to invest in renewable energies to lower their taxes. Yes, a both and yeah. situation. So I would argue that that is not inherently anti-capitalist, that those are capitalist economic incentives being pursued by the Democratic Party. Right. Uh, I would also say that it is not anti-people because it includes $60 billion to help areas that are going to be affected by climate change to uh, essentially like boost up their defenses against climate change so they can yeah, continue like- to live there like Eastern Kentucky that just got inundated with floodwaters because of all the mountaintop removal that's happened. Yeah. So that is pretty pro-human in my opinion. I don't trust the government at all, no matter who's in charge of it anymore. And everyone is, even the people who are saying, well, they didn't go far enough are saying like, but this does do a lot of really good things. I don't trust that we have the ability to do good things anymore. I don't trust that like any of this is actually going to be implemented 
and that if any of the money is going to actually end up where it's supposed to end up. And so like, I think we're going to be looking in 10 years and being like, man, we really held the bag on that one. It's possible. It's possible. I will say the good thing that they did do was they did rebates. So if you put like energy efficient windows or you got energy efficient washer and dryer or water cooler or water heater, or I think even for cars, there are, it's a rebate instead of like a tax incentive, which I think for middle-class and lower-class people was a very smart idea. Whoever needled that in there because it's direct cash back. Mm -hmm. So I will say that I did like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that we're doing something at least, right? Because we have historically not done anything at all. And that's why I'm also not buying this whole argument that it's this crazy neo-Marxist agenda to destroy American society. It's like, where? At what point have we done anything to fix this problem? I mean, like... shitty neoliberal world. That's what it actually is. Yeah, that's where we're at, right? I mean, we're spending $37 a year. Thirty-seven billion a year is is it on this, right? right? For reference, we've spent fifty-four billion dollars uh, sending aid to Ukraine during the war with Russia, and we spent right, one point four trillion on the F thirty-five jet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I will say this: I wish energy efficient appliances were better than they are today. I mean, some of them are trash, dude. Like my, I have we have to leave our dishes out and air dry after we do our dishes and it's like what i remember as a kid you would take those dishes out of the dishwasher those jokers were steaming hot and dry you may need a new dishwasher man no that's all new dishwashers you have to air dry them pretty much really yeah because they're energy efficient and the most energy comes in the drying process. Well, I guess I got an old dishwasher. Mine's come out dry, but yeah, dude, you do have an old dishwasher. Uh, well, there you go. Well, Chris, another thing that we learned from our good friend Jerome is that fossil fuels don't come from fossils. What? Yes. You're kidding me. They, yeah, you've been living a lie, dude. They've been lying to you this whole time. Fossil fuel is classic. You know, when when human beings or plankton or organic material or bacteria die, it decomposes. Uh, It doesn't turn into oil. We bury people because they're decomposing and they stink. You don't dig people up after they're buried and they're turning into oil. You know, the Bible says dust into dust, not dust into oil. It would violate the second law of thermodynamics, which is, you know, non-living things. The energy is going to dissipate. And um, I show very clearly in the book, I read a whole chapter on these Fischer-Tropsch equations where the German scientists in the 20s figured out how to synthesize oil. And those are the formulas that describe how the Earth naturally makes oil on a natural, on an ongoing basis, hydrocarbons, in the engine of the mantle of the Earth. So what's your problem with that? My problem with that is that it's made up. Is oil not photoplankton? So, no, what, what he's saying is that Oil can't come from decomposing organic material because the Bible says it's dust to dust, not dust to oil. And that once you die, the second law of thermodynamics says that you can't contain energy, which is all incorrect. Right. He does not understand what the second law of thermodynamics is. I, I, I don't think I fully understood what he was saying. Yeah. So what he's saying is is a theory called the abiotic theory of oil production that says that oil does not come from organic material, but it is a process inside the earth that naturally produces petroleum. Oh, therefore interesting. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just like, it's an off charge of the earth. Yeah. So the earth is constantly producing oil and all we have to do is tap into it. Right. And we have an infinite supply of energy. Right. Interesting. That, That is his argument. That's an interesting argument. I had never heard this before. I've never heard that before. And I've been in some weird sections of the internet. This was new to me. That's so, a cool. And so it's just like a waste product of the earth. It's like, 
yeah using the cow manure right to help your garden yeah basically yeah yeah it's this is this thing that comes out we can keep using it so he actually has an entire book about this and he thinks that the nazis discovered that oil is abiotic and the u.s government hid that fact after we defeated the nazis in world war ii wow interesting so in a a way in a way we are constantly making oil it's just not a byproduct of the earth actually creating it it's these phytoplankton and stuff dying the vegetation dying getting trapped underneath the earth it's a very slow process but it is constantly happening no it it is i think you're giving this guy too much credit because what he's attempting to do is make the argument that oil is not bad oil is infinite and we should continue to burn as much oil as possible because it's the most pro-human move right that yeah, is, I would argue that it's not infinite, that we can really, we can definitely tap it out eventually. He says that it is infinite, that we can't tap it out. That's pretty now, crazy. A few reasons why we know that this is incorrect, right? That it is not abiotic, that it actually needs biological material to be created is number one, there are biomarkers in oil. So we can see right. that it is made of organic material because it's yeah, organic bio. Literally it's carbon. Yeah. Uh, although it takes a really long time to make oil, we have found oil at various stages. So we know what the overall process looks like, right? right? It's like have- coal. There's more refined coal yeah. than not, right? You, you have junk coal and you have super clean burning coal. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is that the chemistry literally doesn't make sense. So there is not enough carbon dioxide below the sur- surface of the earth to make oil formation possible at the scale that we have seen. Right. So it's it's simply not possible for this to be the reason why oil is made. I right? like that oil is earth poop, though. That is fun. That's a fun thought experiment. You know, it's an option that yeah. you can have. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of his things about no oil is great. But let's let's get behind more reasons why global warming is not man-made, right? Right. It's actually the sun. It's all the sun's fault. I love the sun. Jerry, the Russians have scientific evidence that the sun, as I've always believed, is a major driving force behind the Earth's temperature change. That's a critical point, George. That's I think fundamental to the entire book, is that uh the major force for heat energy for the, you know, is the sun. I read a whole chapter. It's often news to this radical left, you know, Green New Deal crowd, but, you know, sun heats earth. And go outside. The, the, that big yellow thing, orange thing in the sky is not a tree ornament. That's the sun. And without the sun, we don't have light. We don't have heat. It is the major force. And I point out the Russian scientists, George, as you know, they went and studied the sunspot records back into the 1617 to 1717 period, we had the Morander Minimum, which was a, uh, a period of time when the Earth was cold because the sun was dormant. Very, very few sunspots. And the Russian scientists know that the sun heats the Earth and is the major factor. The sun is not, doesn't burn constantly. All right, so the argument being Russia has come out and said that, oh, it's it's not human activity, it's it's sunspots that are responsible right. for this, right? In terms of the specific group of Russian scientists, I actually could not find the study that was talking about sunspots that came out recently, yeah. but there has been isolated fake science around climate change coming out of Russia, right? right? So recently, Russia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs recommended that the Russian state fund studies that allow Russia to promote, quote, or alternative viewpoints on climate change because it would uh that or science that would quote not imply abandoning fossil fuels in limiting industrial growth because scientific basis for climate change has not always been favorable to russia end quote so well, they literally I mean, said that, <laughs> that that isn't wrong they haven't been favorable to russia because russia is a petro state yeah, so they've literally said we need different science because this science is bad for us. Yeah, it's really bad for us. And so yeah, yeah it's it's definitely got a dual use for them, right? Yeah. So that's what's been going on in Russia. Do I trust the fact that they're scientists that are being funded by the government who are telling them to not find climate change to be a thing to be real? I don't really trust that necessarily. I don't trust Reds, period. Yeah, well, let's look at NASA, right? What NASA say? Yeah, what is what's NASA saying? 
So NASA is uh, famous this. embezzlers that are yeah, NASA known for bezeling. So NASA has you know stated the sun obviously influences the Earth's climate, but it is not responsible for the warming trend we've seen in recent decades. The warming over the past 50 years is far too rapid to be linked to any changes in the Earth's orbit or to be related to any type of solar activity. And we know this because we track climate going back thousands of years using core samples. And we also track the sun's current activity. Right. Right. So scientists have been tracking solar energy since 1978 using satellites, and there's been no upward trend in the amount of solar energy reaching our planet. In fact, solar energy has been dropping slightly since the 1990s. So if Jerome was to be correct, and this was all because of the sun, we should actually be seeing a a reduction in uh, in the temperature of the planet, which we're not sunspots. Yeah, because the sun's actually cooled down. Like it does vary in right. how much energy it's putting off at any point in time, but it's been reducing the past couple of years. Right. Interesting. Past 30 years, I should say. Yeah. So another call out here is that if it was the sun, we would expect to see warming throughout the atmosphere. And what we're seeing instead is that the atmosphere near the surface of the earth is warmer and the upper atmosphere or stratosphere is getting colder, which right. is consistent with heat trapping gases being released on the earth's surface, keeping right. the heat in. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. But again, totally makes sense why Russia would be doing this. It does, 100%. And that's why I don't really trust when one of their scientists says it's sunspots. If right. That can't be validated by anyone else on yeah. Earth. So that's that's an issue I have with that little piece of evidence there. Now, Chris, you then goes into Al Gore. Please go after Gore, dude. Gotta go after Gore. Because, Excelsior! Yeah, because he's just a... You know, he's, he's easy he's to go after. Being Al Gore. Yeah. Tapping to Al Gore, who was such a staunch climate change critic. Well, he's back. Al Gore is back, and, and he did this inconvenient truth in you know, the early 2000s. This DVD said the ice caps were going to melt, the sea was going to rise. Well, what's happened to Al Gore, he's become a multimillionaire on this and living in a mansion and, and probably one of the biggest carbon footprints on the face of the earth. Al Gore is a poster child for the hypocrisy of the Green New Deal movement. They want to live in mansions. The rest of us can eat frogs or cr- crickets or bugs or whatever they are. Never had a frog. No, I don't think I'll ever try, Jerry. <laughs> Hold up one second. In defense of frogs, frog legs are very good haters. People, Some people, especially from Arkansas, intentionally eat frog legs. George doesn't want to eat them, Chris. So, Dingleberry, think- you. They're haters. Well, I, I thought this was interesting because I've actually been to Al Gore's house, not like inside the house, but I've, I was accidentally around it at one point in Tennessee. Um, and it is pretty big. So I thought this was interesting. Like, does it have the biggest climate footprint of anything ever? Right. Mm-hmm. So Al Gore's house in Tennessee actually uses 10 times more energy than the average household in that area. Right. It's also about four times larger than the average house in that area. There so you go. It, it is very big. Now, to be fair to Al Gore, which I don't even know if he really deserves to be fair to him. But, yeah, don't be fair to him. Uh, energy usage and carbon footprint are different. Al Gore says that he buys green energy from local power stations and then also purchases carbon offsets uh, so that his net carbon emissions are close to zero. I can't right. verify that. He doesn't provide that data. So I don't necessarily just. That's take such Al a dingle, dude. That's such a dingleberry way to get out of it, though, man. I hate these people. Yeah. I hate the people who do this. I hate the people that tell me how important climate change is and then get in their private jet and fly all over the world. Yeah. And then they, they are so rich that they're like, well, I bought a couple of trees, so it's fine. Yeah. It's and, uh, yeah. I, it, it, I made up for it. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're an asshole. Now, Getting into how Al Gore is more of an asshole as well. Uh, <laughs> it is cl- <laughs> We're not done with Al Gore. Uh, it is claimed by Jerome that Al Gore just made a ton of money off of off of his movie. That's why he's so rich and has this big right. Name, right. It's he's very much insinuating that uh, climate change and you know profit are interconnected for these people. Right. Now, Al Gore's money mainly came from business and not climate, right? So he made a ton of cash in quite a few different business transactions. Number one, in 2014, he had a stake in a uh, a network called Current TV, which he partially owned and was sold to Al Jazeera, and that netted him $100 million in one Oh, my God, dude. And from, like, the Middle East, too. (laughs) From Al Jazeera. Like, that's literally oil money. 
Yeah, it is. That's uh, literally oil money. Where do you think Al Jazeera is getting their money, dude? Yeah. All right. Two weeks later, he then exercised shares in Apple stock that he was granted for serving on Apple's board and made $30 million. Oh, my God. Yes. So this guy got $130 million in like a two month period. Jeez, dude. Let's also ask ourselves, why was he on the board of Apple? Because he's Al Gore. Because he's Al Gore. Because he's Al Gore, dude. And that's like, I hate Bill McKibben too, dude. He's a little turd. And like Greta Thunberg, she's a little turd. All these people are turds, dude. And I just wish that we had like some good, honest people on the lead of climate change. Leonardo DiCaprio is a turd. Also, I'm not going to hate on Greta. I don't know that much about her, but she did sail from Europe to America. It's such a turd move. Wind power. I re- have you ever been on a sailboat? That's, That's so fun. I want to do a that. turd move. I'm so jealous. Well, it's better than her taking a jet. You were just bitching about jets. Uh, dude, I just, yeah, but there's like an in-between of being like, it was a, uh, all wind sail powered, uh, boat and I did it to make a statement and it's like, you didn't do crap. All your handlers who control you are the ones who did all the work. She sailed. She knows how to sail. Oh my God. I'm pushing back on the Greta sailing. Trash. I support Greta sailing. These are I think all trash humans. Boats. These are all trash humans. And I don't I think wish, anyone's going to make you happy. I think it's going to be bad wish, no matter what. It's fake, dude. It's a TV show. And I want somebody who is going to be serious and takes this seriously. All right. So moving on. An inconvenient truth grossed $50 million worldwide against the $1.5 million budget. So that's actually, that actually was a lot. That's a very impressive. I, I, it was less than I thought it was, but... Yeah. Uh, that it only cost him a million. That's a pretty good return on that's investment. Really solid return. I mean, it was him with a PowerPoint, so I guess that's right, fair. Exactly. Uh, he only gets a, a small percentage of that because there was like a production company, all that crap. However, right. Hollywood works, and he's worth three hundred thirty million dollars. Jesus, dude. So I actually I will concede that Al Gore is probably a huge asshole. I don't think he's rich because of climate change. I think he's rich for a lot of. I think he's rich because he was vice president. Right. And that's how America works now. Can you believe that we had presidents who died destitute? It's almost impossible to fathom that now. Well, that was, I I forget which president it was, but one of them was like living with his mom and they're like, okay, we should really give them a salary afterwards because they're like, they can't get another job. Right. And now, you know, you can be a vice president's son and you get a sweet gig on the board of a, and not know, ju- yeah, dude. And make like $500,000. Yeah. A month. Like we're talking about real money here yeah. for doing crap, dude. You know, I know for a fact, Hunter Biden never did anything for any of that money. Cause he was high on crack. All right. Moving on. So Chris, did you know that the whole solar system is getting hotter? Did you, have, have you seen this? Really? Heard about this? No, that's interesting. So it's like a boiling soup almost. <laughs> Giant boiling soup. And we're the potato flowing I... around the, the soup. Yes, that's us. And it's just heating up the, the heat, potato. Heating everyone up. Making it soft. I hear that planets in our solar system, where our sun is, are heating up as well as our Earth. That's right. And the entire solar system, again, is sun, heat, solar system. You know, the sun is the major driver. When the sun is going through a more dormant period, the solar system will be cooler. So a couple, couple of notes here. Number one, this guy annoys the shit out of me because he keeps trying to do like the owning the libs thing of like, sun is hot. Sun make earth hot. And it's like, yeah, no shit, dude. We all understand that. And that kind of politics drives me completely insane. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Right. Your only goal in life is to own the other side. Right. You're a piece it of sucks. shit. Yeah, dude, yeah it just, you suck. It gets so tiresome. That was, that was my thing about the walk away people. I was just like, you were supposed to walk away that both parties are terrible, not be Democrats who walk over to Republicans and then make fun of Democrats and say how great Republicans are. It's like, no, they're the, they're two wings on an evil beast. And that's why th- this guy drove me insane the entire interview because he just couldn't stop doing that. Like right. he could yeah, not he help had, himself. He just had to own the libs. Yeah. You just got to keep owning the libs. Like these dumb libs, dude, don't understand how 
the uh sun works and it's like it's okay, a cool. mental it's a mental health issue at some yeah. point you know and again it happens to the to the democrats too i mean look at their obsession with donald trump dude it's unhealthy it's literally unhealthy for them yeah it's it it's all encompassing and it also leads to everyone just like putting everyone in this giant black box, right? Yeah. Where 80 million people in the country are this one thing that right. every single one of them is this thing. Yeah. And then it, it works on this, the other side. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating to listen to, especially when he just can't stop doing it. Cause he's just like a freaking kook, but like let's go said, on this. It's, it's doo-doo brained thinking. Yeah. I got doo-doo in my pants and these are the thoughts that I have. And speaking of doo-doo, let's tackle the solar system getting hotter, right? Yeah, please. Because the argument I'm curious is that, about this one. Yeah, the argument is that all of the other planets are also getting hotter. If it's happening to everyone, it's clearly not because of humans, right? This whole show is about saying that humans have nothing to do with climate change. Let's just take this one by one, right? Because I actually looked into all of the individual planets and what was happening with the heat on that planet. So number one, Mars, right? So there's notion that Mars is warming. And in this particular scenario, this is people confusing weather and climate because this has been on the internet a lot, specifically about Mars. So there are two pictures taken 22 years apart that people use as evidence that Mars is also warming, which is not true. Weather is what happens on a particular day. Climate is the average over right. like a 30 year period. Right. So recent studies have shown that there's been no changes in the Martian temperature, at least since Viking landers dropped there in 1970. Uh, and that's when we could like properly record temperatures. Right. So climate is not changing on mars we have a guy or a rover sitting there recording it daily and the average is, is not adjusting at all jupiter we actually do believe that jupiter is warming but we don't technically have hard evidence of it so okay. this has to do with the superstorm that's inhibiting the planet's ability to mix heat so the superstorm is actually going towards the equator which is uh reducing its ability to like funnel the heat off to the poles right which right. is we theorize is making the planet overall hotter, but we can't really measure that very well. Yeah. So we aren't sure. So I thought that was fun. So Jupiter may be getting hotter, not because of the sun. Uh, Neptune is currently entering its summer season that occurs every 164 years. So also wow. there, Neptune is getting hotter because it's entering summer. So they have like a Game of Thrones type uh, style of weather where it's like decades of a season. Yeah, it lasts a very long time. Yeah. So very, very long time. Same thing Kinda with Pluto. Cool. Pluto may be warming, but it's based on like two observations we've made, one in 1988 and one in 2002. And it's also on a 248-year orbit, so we don't really understand its climate, especially considering the fact that we just noticed it in 1930. This is the longest summer in living memory. Exactly. Now, fun fact about Pluto, Chris, which I did not realize, but Pluto was actually discovered... By accident. There was a guy named Clyde Tombaugh who was looking for a ninth planet in the 1920s. And he thought that uh, Pluto had to exist because of odd things happening with the orbits of Uranus and Neptune. Right. Uh, what he didn't realize is that we had the mass of Neptune incorrect. So when adjusted for that, those inconsistencies go away. But while he noticed what he thought were inconsistencies, he kept looking at the sky and he found Pluto. Found Pluto um, eventually, huh? So that was when we found Pluto in 1930 was completely because of a bad math equation. Yeah. And now it's been kicked to the curb, dude. So it's we don't sad. want you anymore. It's sad. Poor, poor Pluto. So space not boiling us like a potato. It is not. There are a few planets that are getting hotter. There are some that are not getting hotter. It's mainly due to uh, the environment of that planet. Yeah. So now last clip here, Chris, that I wanted to play was um, there's a big name in climate change that that turned around he decided okay. no i was wrong yeah walked away walked away have we had scientists who have changed their mind changed their positions over the years oh yes in fact there's uh one on right now on climatedepot.com i'll pull it right off one of the major climate scientists who just passed away uh changed his mind and publicly james lovelock he just passed away at 103 years old he was a green guru and he changed his mind in 2016 now this one was interesting as well okay james lovelock climate guru switches says climate change is fake right had okay. to look into this one yeah look into this one because i don't know anything about this guy i didn't either so james has a phd in medicine but began a career as a cryopreservationist right whoa so what does was, that mean he was doing experiments on cryonics with rodents so trying to freeze a rodent and then bring it back Holy cow, dude. He was literally trying to get us into the future. 
He was, yeah. And in the 2000s, he became an outspoken environmentalist. And he is the man behind the Gaia hypothesis that says that Earth is a self-regulating single organism. Uh, dude, that's one of my favorite theories ever. So he he's the guy behind it, dude. I this love that. I love that theory. Gaia theory is big time on my list. Yeah. Now, when James was 95 years old, he did an interview with The Guardian where he talked about climate change. And he said, quote, I was a little too certain in my book, you can't just tell what's going to happen. So he was referring okay. to his fear about climate change in his book, Revenge of Gaia, and that he was he was too certain right. and that, you know, it's hard to tell uh, in, in the atmosphere, like what's actually going to go down. Now, when asked by The Guardian if this would give ammunition to climate change deniers, he said it would not because, quote, it's just as silly to be a climate change denier as it is to be a believer. Right. You can't be certain. Right. This was when he was 95 years old. He died a couple of years later. OK, so he never like walked away from climate change. He just said, I was too certain of the results. Yes. I Which find is it true, dude. Well, I mean, there's literally millions of variables, probably. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing about it is that, like, you know, he's not necessarily wrong. A good example of this is that very recently the New York Times had an article about how the uh, ice caps are heating up at a much faster rate than we initially thought. Right. We thought that it was about two to three times hotter there than the uh, increases around the Earth. It's actually four times hotter now. Right. Um, so it's yeah, like we we aren't certain exactly what's going to happen because it is such a complicated system. But I did find it very funny that in the Guardian article, he said, no, climate change deniers aren't going to use me uh, as a proof point right, because I also right. think they're dumb. Yeah. And then this well, guy is using him as evidence. <laughs> it's uh, never you can't make predictions. You can't do anything uh, because everything is fake and there nothing is real. Right, exactly. And I mean, that's where I that's where I fall on it. At the end of the day, is that everything is fake and nothing is real? Right. That's the healthiest place to be. That's the healthiest place to be. Yeah, just uh, just pure nihilism. Bury your head in the sand and say screw it. Yeah. So, Chris, that was our climate change episode. So, on a scale of uh, one to five degrees Celsius, what do you give this guy? I'm going to give him two degrees Celsius and let me explain my answer a little bit. I believe climate change is happening. I believe that there are variables that we aren't accounting for. I believe that humanity, especially our elites, especially these elites that we have, which are some of the worst elites that we've had in probably generations that these people are going to try to use any type of emergency or claimed emergency as a way to control the mass populace. And they aren't going to take any of the precautions because they know most of the precautions either aren't going to help or are fake answers to the problem. So again, for me, this guy is like directionally right. But again, I'm like, this is like, if he's going East, he's at least going the right way, but he takes so many divergent paths to get there that it's ridiculous. Like it can't be humans aren't causing any of it. Well, that's not true. Or, or, you know, we got to keep on burning oils. Well, for me becoming using the sun is a next level civilization, right? Using our wind, using our, our water, using, you know, our earth's ability to create energy, using those things are so much cooler and such a higher level of advancement that those why they interest me. And so I want to go forward on that. And then it's like, that it's the Democrats doing this. No, dude, it's the whole elite power structure. It's the whole corporate power structure. They're the ones doing it. It's not just the Democrats. They're all trying to control us. They're all trying to eat into our privacy. They all, they just want to have the power to do it. They may not even really go on it, but here's the thing, dude. If you've ever played risk, you know, once you have a big enough army and a territory, what's your first thing? You're like, I got to use this thing. Look at the American military in the last 20 years. We had the biggest 
military and we're like, oh, we got to use this thing now. And it gets you in trouble. And so I just worry about when somebody's like, we got to do this because of climate change. And I'm like, well, hold up. Let's pump the brakes and take a look at this. Here's the thing. And here's my problem with that argument, Chris, is that we aren't doing anything. The most we've done is give tax breaks. That's it. So if we're in America, you're right. This is a qualifier here in America. There are states that have done this, but you're right. It's not national policy on a lot of it. I, it, it is not at all. Like this is not what's happening. This is not what's occurring. All that we are saying here today, like the point of today's episode was this is a guy who says that climate change is not real. Oil is abiotic and infinite. That and we should continue to pump oil and burn it as much as possible. Maybe I'll give him one to defeat Celsius. the satanic Democrat cabal. So I would, I do not think that this guy is directionally accurate at all. I think the mere fact that he distrusts governments does not make anything that he is saying correct. You're right. It doesn't make any, and there were a couple of proof points that you're right. So I'm going to go down to one degree Celsius. (laughs) So I I will also give this guy a one because I don't think we do zeros here. Um, I don't like zero. I'll give him a zero then. So if this guy were climate change, then it it wouldn't be happening because it's shit. Um, I think everybody around climate is a dingleberry, dude. The good, the people who are, are climate change promoters are dingleberries. And the people who deny climate change are dingleberries. And again, it's always a parabola, right? It's like, God, dude, the extremes suck sometimes. That's if we're only looking at like assholes on Twitter, then yeah, I think most normal people are pretty normal like hey can we just do something to make the earth not be shit for our children giving me a paper straw isn't helping anything yeah and i i think the the argument that like it's going to lead to government overreach or like this slippery slope (laughs) thing like i think it's just a way of making it to where we can't get anything done right like we can't do anything at all to solve this problem that we know is a problem we know how to fix it but we refuse to take any sort of action on it um, but you believe that there the, are better solutions than others, right? I do. Like, I don't think the solutions that we've promoted so far in the United States are any good. I don't think tax credits go far enough. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Yeah. But I, that's why they wanted to do cap and trade, dude, because at the end of the day, it's an inherently capitalist system. Yeah, that's we can only find neoliberal solutions, right? That's all there and is. I think that there are better ways of going about it. I think that uh, you know, accepting climate change and doing something about it will help us to actually start building things in America again. I think that right. would be big. Yeah, uh, per- be big. Becoming energy independent and not, you know, having a war over on the other side of the earth with Russia and Ukraine, hike up our gas bills. All right. I think that would be great. Uh, here in Virginia, they're talking about building a wind farm uh, to, to, you know, help with energy production. I think that is fantastic. I think we should do more things like that. But I, I think the arguments that this guy is making is just meant to confuse and to um, uh, make the argument a lot messier than it needs to be when it could Definitely. be something that's good for society, good for the economy and good for the earth as well. Yep, I agree. So I agree. That's, that's why he's I'm a at. dingleberry for sure. This guy drove me completely insane. I think he's a douchebag. Um, but this is also a problem with coast to coast, right? This is uh, an issue, I think, where George Nori uh, has people on who have no actual scientific understanding of what they're talking about. Right. And he doesn't really question it or he just agrees with it. Right. So I think it's one thing when it, we're talking about aliens or someone psychically saying that they know where Atlantis is. And then when it actually has to do with like climate change or vaccines or something like yeah. that, I think that's when it becomes more problematic. Right. And I'm OK poking holes in some of it, but like some of it's just crazy. Yeah. And like, it's always good to question the science that's coming out, but saying that it's all fake and ran by evil Democrats is absurd. Um, Saying that oil is completely abiotic is absurd. Like you just, you just say crazy shit and it's fine. I did like the boiling space hypothesis though. That oil, that one, I'm going yeah. to keep that one in the brain for sure. That was a fun one. I had to do some digging on that one to figure out what was going on in each planet. No doubt, dude. You can't just take that one on faith. Yep. So that has been today's episode. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. This has been Coast to Coast PM. Uh, share us, subscribe, and drop us five stars so other people find the show. And that'll be it for today. We appreciate you. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.